Alrighty, everybody. Good afternoon, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Wiz, uh, you know, last year we kind of tried to do some interesting podcasts, uh, you know, kind of leading into these uh, team capsule podcasts, which are upon us as well uh, at some point in time. But you know, last year we kind of looked at a number of uh, wide receiver groups that we thought were interesting and tried to break those situations down. And uh, we're going to give a crack at some of the running back. Te- uh, groups that uh, are what we would call intriguing situations from a fantasy perspective. Wiz, how are you doing today? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing well. I think this is uh, going to be an interesting podcast. Uh, you know, there's a lot of running back situations where multiple players are going to be used, but we're going to try and uh, break down some of these situations where it seems to be cloudy, um, brain busters, if you will, and uh, we're going to try and uh, sort through it. Yeah, so I, I think you know when I when I looked at the teams that you know, I thought there were like maybe somewhere between eight and ten interesting scenarios on in terms of how things can play out. Uh, obviously, you and I are assuming when we're doing this that uh, injuries uh, aren't going to be a factor. Obviously, they will end up being a factor at some point in time in the season, as is the case always, especially at the running back position. But uh, but yeah, so l- let's let's go to the first team that I want to talk about, and that's the New England Patriots. Uh, you know, I think a team last year that you know, obviously made a change at quarterback with Tom Brady you know, moving away and Cam Newton being gone uh, and, and drafting Mac Jones, a player that, you know, you thought probably had the most talent uh, to be a starting quarterback in the NFL in that quarterback class last year. Uh, I think Mac Jones proved himself to be a, v- a very steady pair of hands. Uh, and I would argue that um, maybe there were some kid gloves on him, uh, you know, for parts of the season, some conservative play calling. Uh, maybe that changes a bit in his second year, and that could potentially change a bit in terms of running back production uh, for the New England Patriots. But, but you know, outside of that, the, you know, the Patriots, uh, look, this is a team that's Got some changes going on in defense. There's going to be a there's going to be a new offensive uh, play caller with uh, with Josh McDaniel moving to the Raiders. Uh, last year, uh, I think if we look at the situation, uh, and, and I thought, and I think you thought at one point last year that Ramondre Stevenson would in fact take take the lead in this running back group. Um, you know, the the two players are a bit different between him and Damian Harris. I think both of them, when given the opportunity to shine by themselves. Uh, were both really good players. Uh, Damian Harris was extremely d- touchdown dependent, uh, 15 touchdowns last year, 900 rushing yards. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson and and and, uh, and Damian Harris actually averaged the exact same number of yards in terms of uh, yards per carry at 4.6 yards per carry. I think Stevenson gives them a different dimension because he can catch the ball a little bit more effectively. Um, but there's also a couple of other guys kind of hanging around in this running back room. Ba- Brandon Bolden is gone. James White is back from an injury, and they drafted Pierre Strong. So, you know, how are you looking at – is the situation coming into this year where you look at a player like Damian Harris, who, who was very solid last year but very touchdown dependent to become – a big force in terms of fantasy production uh, is this a year where you can see that starting to shift around a little bit with with Stevenson becoming a bigger factor uh, on the fantasy stage? Well, first let me start off by saying I think the New England Patriots have the best running back room in the entire NFL, um, along with Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. You know, let's not forget, you know the the. The, the third down extraordinaire, James White, 
And then if you look at some of these other players, J.J. Taylor has proven to be a, a really good, talented young player if he gets his opportunity. And then I really like the two players they drafted as well, Pierre Strong from South Dakota State and Kevin Harris from South Carolina. I think right now Ty Montgomery is on the roster as well. It is a strong, strong running back room, the strongest in the NFL, in my opinion, from top to bottom. And I think of a team suffers a catastrophic injury in the preseason or OTAs or any, any kind of thing that we saw last year, especially the Ravens get crippled by injuries. I think you'll see them go immediately to the Patriots and the Patriots maybe try and improve um, at another position by trading one of those guys. But getting to your question, I, I like those players. I like the top two guys. Uh, they both run downhill and they both run hard. Um, the problem is to put either one as a top 15 running back or you know, not even a top 10 or 12 guy as a running back one, but even as a top 15 guy, the having the other one there, then having James White, who is so elite at third down and the two young guys that they drafted this year, it's hard to be confident about any one of them. But, you know, if something was to clear up with what the Patriots really want to do on offense, they would become in that grouping. I, I think Damian Harris still gets overlooked a little bit, uh, I think he deserves to probably be drafted a little bit higher than he goes in a lot of these drafts. But I think this is a cloudy situation, and you could see one or more of these guys getting traded, especially if there's some kind of injuries to another team. But I really like both Harris and Stevenson. They run with a purpose. They run hard. They run downhill. And uh, I'm not surprised at all that their numbers are so close because they kind of have the same style with Stevenson having an edge in the pass catching game, as you mentioned. Yeah, I agree. Do you, do you think the, I mean, I don't think the offensive philosophy changes a hell of a lot. You know, Bill Belichick's still the head coach. So he's going to dictate kind of how things play out. Um, the point I made about Mac Jones in terms of maybe taking a next step where the offense maybe gets opened up a little bit more, you, you don't see that being as de- detriment to production in this running game I'm, take, I'm taking. I don't because I really don't see at this, time, at this point them having the personnel to do that. Yep, okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm in agreement with you. I think and the Patriots do have a pretty solid, even though they're they're not like household names. I think their running uh, blocking is is one of the better running block, run block games uh, in in terms of their offensive line and and getting the job done. So uh, I'm with you there. I, I guess I'm always a little bit concerned when a player puts up such a big number, like a double digit touchdown number that Harris did put up last year, 15 touchdowns. It's not that hard to see that sort of thing. Regret. I think a few years ago, if you remember, we talked about Aaron Jones being able to duplicate that. Uh, I would argue this season another player that may have a challenge in doing that just because it's coming from a very high level is a player like James Conner. So it remains to be seen. But, yeah, I, 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 I like both of these running backs. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, your point about a natural regression in terms of touchdowns for Harris is is, is spot on and it's fair. Um but just trying to break it down, you know, they want to run the ball, and he seems to be the lead back. But there is a lot of good competition in that running back room, and we've seen with Belichick, all it takes is an ill-timed fumble to go from the top of the depth oh, yeah. chart to way down at the bottom, and then you're in a, in a, in a, in a, in a hot mess there. So uh, where do you want to move to next? 
Yeah, I just also I was just thinking, Wiz. You know, you talked about. Do you remember the game that they played in Buffalo? <laughs> was it a Sunday night? I don't remember if it was a Sunday night game. The game where they they threw one pass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Talk talk about a team that's confident in what it wants to do, right? Yeah, yeah, that is true. All right, so uh, I'm going to pass the baton. I'm going to let you describe this Miami Dolphins situation. We're going to stay in the division. Um, as we talked about yesterday in our last podcast, uh, change at the head coach position, but another running back room with some talent. So I'm going to kind of let you do the describing uh, in the Miami Dolphin room because I am – I got to tell you, this looking at this situation, I just see nothing but uh, I would say confusion, and would lead me to kind of stay away from this running back group heading into fantasy drafts. Yeah, I think the big difference between Miami and New England is Miami has a cast of running backs that are talented, but unlike New England, where you know you kind of have Harris and Stevenson with the same kind of runner. The Dolphins have so many different types of backs. And look, Mike McDaniel wants to, you know, do in Miami what he knows. And kind of from that um, Shanahan system that he left in San Francisco. So that's have several different running backs, have a nice depth chart, and it kind of be a week-to-week thing. Now, Raheem Mostert is clearly, in my view, at this stage of all of their careers, the best running back. The problem with Raheem Mostert is he's having he's had trouble staying on the field. Uh, well, he can't. Well, hold on, is, he can't stay on the field. Let's be very clear about that. Yeah, he can't. He has. Yeah, he can't stay on the field. Chase Edmonds is a different type of running back altogether. He's more of a scat back running back, a guy who you're not going to run between the tackles too many times a game, but a guy who certainly could be used on third down and in certain running plays. Sony Michelle is a, is a grinder. We know that he can run inside the tackles. He's a good player. He's a reliable player. And then you have Miles Gaskin, who's kind of like been the main guy for the Dolphins, but. I compare him to a player like Devin Singletary, who he's like a, a good player and he has very, very good vision, but he doesn't have the explosiveness to do something with that vision. He may see what needs to be done, but he just, they have trouble getting there. And that's been the problem with Miles Gaskin in short yardage play and lack of explosive plays as well. So four different backs, and they also have Zaquandre White, Salvin Ahmed is still on that team. So a lot of different guys. So this is a real brain buster because if you're drafting Raheem Mostert, you're counting on him to stay on the field. Otherwise, you know, when it comes to some of these things, like if you're interested in Dalvin Cook, you just know Alexander Madison is going to be the guy if something was to happen to Cook. It's kind of easy or simple to know what to do in terms of getting the main guy and trying to get his handcuff. In this type of situation, even if Mostert was to miss time and there's a high likelihood that he will, I'm not quite sure what the Dolphins would do just based on what I mentioned because all of those guys do different things and I just feel it would be a a, a running back by committee in the worst of ways in terms of fantasy football. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Last year... In, in two leagues, I 
tried to capture the San Francisco running back. Uh, and what I tried to do it with is I did it with Mostert and I did it with Sermon. Unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't foresee that Elijah Mitchell was going to be uh, the, the, the main beneficiary of uh, what they did. And, and, you know, I think you're, you're right in, in saying that coming from the, the Shanahan mentality uh, where running backs uh, historically have produced well in his offenses in fantasy. And I would expect the same thing to occur with McDaniel. Uh, I think, I think the fact that you articulated very well the, the differences in, in those three players at the top, that is Mostert, uh, Edmonds, and, and Michelle, where I could see easily their workloads being split uh, at least early in the season uh, by a third each. Uh, that's something that's not uh, that that's something that's not would not be surprising to me. Uh, so yeah, it, it's probably a situation I want to steer away from. I, you know, even though Mostert is the oldest of the group, I think he's 31 now. He he doesn't have a lot of mileage on him. Uh, we've mi- he's missed a lot of time. Um, the the one thing that's very noteworthy, and you and I have owned the player, is when Mostert is healthy and he touches the football, it's basically six to seven yards every time he touches it. Now, San Francisco had a had a stronger offensive line and a really good fullback and a tremendous blocking tight end in in George Kittle. So that that was part of. Uh, the success story for for Mostert in San Francisco. Uh, Miami is an improved offensive line, uh, getting better. And as you mentioned, they have a lot of other skill positions. So it's probably a situation that, that I stay away from, but you could see a situation where one of these backs uh, could produce. I, I think the one thing we know uh, as far as Chase Edmonds goes, look, he's, he's just not a goal line back. In fact, if you look at these players, I, it, you could envision a scenario where Sony Michelle is actually the guy that leads his team in touchdowns. So... Um, it's a tough situation to predict um, talented players, but they could all be utilized you know, very differently throughout the season. Yeah, and I mean, you know, when you, when you take in consideration that, you know, what did they do with Mostert even when he was playing great at in San Francisco is that he was kind of taken off the field on third down. I just kind of envision Gaskin getting some third down opportunities. Certainly Chase Edmonds getting some opportunities. Sony Michelle, as you mentioned, is proven to be a tough goal line runner. So if all, if all of those, if those three players in some way, shape or form eat at most of its production in terms of receptions, in terms of touchdowns inside the five yard line, you know, it, it takes away his value, but boy, if you knew most it was going to play 15 games, he'd be right up there with anybody in the league as far as talent and, and, and what he could produce on the field. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. All right, so let's move to the Dallas Cowboys, Wiz. And, and this is a little bit different situation than what we've described so far. And, you know, it doesn't take uh, a hell of a lot of creativity to figure out last year when, when on the field um, – the guy who made more noise in, in that offensive for the running backs in, in the Dallas Cowboy offense was was certainly Tony Pollard. It's not to say that Ezekiel Elliott wasn't effective. Um, I think I want to say the breakdown in their carries was 230 carries for Elliott, and I think it was something like 130 for Pollard. Uh, Pollard was the more effective player, averaging five and a half yards a carry, whereas Elliott averaged 4.2. Uh, their difference in yardages wasn't that significant. Uh, it, given that they touched the ball a lot less. Uh, I think Pollard had over 700 yards rushing. He's definitely the better pass catcher, but that's not to say that Ezekiel Elliott was an important part of the pass catching offense for the Cowboys. But but again, it, it was very clear to me that, that Pollard was, not, he was, he, look, he was the bigger home run hitter in that offense last year. 
Uh, and I don't see that changing. You know, Ezekiel Elliott has a lot of wear and tear on his body. And, you know, maybe we're looking at a situation here where, where these two guys may be moving closer to a 50-50 split in terms of touches. Uh, so I'll be curious to hear your views on uh, on the Dallas Cowboy running back situation. And this is still considered one of the more elite offenses in the NFL. When you're analyzing a player like Tony Pollard, you're not, you know, when you're trying to forecast what it would look like, it's a different type of situation when you're getting eight to 12 touches after Ezekiel Elliott is pounding the other team into submission and you're getting these type of swing passes and you're putting him in position to do what he does best. The question becomes if he becomes in a full timeshare or becomes the main guy, what can you expect of him if he's not being used in spot situations. So I'll give two examples. When the Chargers had Melvin Gordon and and Austin Eckler, and they were kind of like the one-two punch, you were trying to analyze, well, what would Eckler do if he didn't have Melvin Gordon pounding the other team, carry after carry? And then Eckler comes with those lively legs, and you're trying to forecast it, and the answer to that question is, well, Austin Austin Eckler's a beast. And then you look at another situation. Let's go to, let's say, Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. And you were thinking, boy, Tevin Coleman's got these explosive plays. What happens when he becomes the main guy, or if he becomes the main guy? And it wasn't that great, because he's not a type of guy that can run inside the tackles and pound the other team, and he is better used in that spot play. So let me ask you this question. When you look at Tony Pollard, do you see more of a chance of being Austin Eckler, or do you see more of a chance of being Tevin Coleman? For me, for me it's more, more, more Austin Eckler. That's, uh, that, that, that's my view of it. Yeah, I mean, to me, I, don't, I, I really don't know. I just don't know. I haven't seen enough of Pollard where he's the Cowboys are using ground and pound with him and then seeing if he's still explosive when they throw the ball to him and they pitch it to him and all of that. So you are more confident in that than I am, but that's not to say that you're not right. But this is the beauty about this type of thing, right? You, you, you draft Tony Pollard and... Elliot gets hurt or it continues to be that Pollard is outplaying him and then you have something special on your hands for a player that you didn't probably pay too much to get either an auction draft or have to draft that high in a snake draft. So that's the question. It's really not about Elliot to me. It's more about what happens if Pollard gets that opportunity. Is he going to be an Austin Eckler or is he going to be a Tevin Coleman? You're siding with Austin Eckler and I'm saying I have to take a little bit more of the wait-and-see approach. But the way the Cowboys are utilizing him, he's certainly an effective player. Yeah, and I have to say, look, this is, uh, this is uh, in, in talking about Pollard, uh, there's a number of uh, Memphis running backs running around the NFL. He, he's just uh, one of a bunch of guys that played at, uh, at Memphis uh, that, that is uh, making an impact in the NFL. But, yeah, look, look I, I haven't liked the way Elliott has looked for a number of years. I think this Dallas Cowboy offensive line is not what it used to be. Um, it, it's, it's a little bit better right now. It's a little healthier. 
uh, but it's not it's not as strong as it was maybe early in his career. And uh, you know perhaps that that dimension, that speed dimension that Pollard gives the Cowboys is just a, 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 as a difference maker. Um, and again, it, 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 some of that success, like you said, is due to the fact that a player like Ezekiel Elliott is loosening up defenses. I don't, I don't disagree with that statement. And, 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 maybe, and maybe that ratio does stay the same. Yep, we'll have to see, see how it plays out, and we'll see if Pollard will get his opportunity at some point to see if he could be that 1A guy as opposed to being the 1B guy. All right, so uh, the, the last thing we're going to talk about is the Seattle Seahawks, and and this is an interesting one for me, Wiz, in that you know obviously Russell Wilson has moved on. I'm not sure what's going to happen at the quarterback position. You have a running back on this roster who, well, first of all, you have a coach that never tells the truth about his team's injuries, so that's always one thing to worry about. And I, it looks to me, and I felt that last year that Chris Carson was unlikely to come back, and I'm concerned that that's even going to take place this year. Um, Rashad Penny won a lot of people fantasy titles last year with his with his play late in the year, um, but he's also injury prone. Uh, they drafted Kenneth Walker. Um, DJ Dallas is still on this roster, but again, you know, is this offense going to change uh, given the fact that Russell Wilson's not there? And what does that mean for this rushing game? Uh, Wiz, why don't you take a stab at this team? Well, I mean, right off the bat, when you look at Kenneth Walker and and why he was drafted. So is it, which of these three things? Is it he was drafted because you feel Chris Carson's career is over? Was he drafted because you feel that even though Rashard Penny played well down the stretch, he signed for one year and you really don't trust a player? Or is it regardless of Chris Carson and Rashard Penny, we think Kenneth Walker is going to be our running back and, an emerging running back over the next eight years or something like that. So intent is always a good thing. And then when you're talking about Pete Carroll, you never could get really the truth of what's going on. And you probably won't know because he'll come up with story after story about Chris Carson, unless Chris Carson holds a press conference announcing his outright retirement, you'll never quite be sure. Also, I believe one of our fan favorites is Darwin Thompson is on this roster too, I think. Um, <laughs> interesting. You know, he's just a guy that never got his chance with Kansas City that I don't know if I got a soft spot for or whatever, but I always keep my eye on Darwin Thompson as well. But Kenneth Walker brings a lot of explosiveness to the Seahawks team. Um, I just think for at least this year, it's going to be a headache because if Rashard Penny is healthy and the way he played, I just don't see that Rashard Penny is going to be a type of guy that's just going to be a guy that comes in when Kenneth Walker taps on his helmet to say he needs to come out. So a little bit of a headache. Um, it's proven with these running backs that they, you know, with, with Pete Carroll's system, that they want to run the ball. So it would be nice. I just don't see either of these guys getting such a lion's share of the carry, at least in Kenneth Walker's rookie season. Yeah, and this is going to be an interesting one, like I said, or you know, before before describing the situation, because you're you've got a team that's under you know basically under construction, right? Um, I don't know. Is Geno Smith going to be the starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks on opening day? That's a possibility, right? We don't know that. It could be Drew Locke too. But right now, Geno Smith is listed at the top of the depth chart. Um, 
And as you mentioned, and, and I talked about too, you know, look what Penny did last year. That that run in that five or six games was just tremendous. I mean, this this guy was he was winning games for people late in the season. He was one of the strongest running backs uh, at the end of the season. And you and I have talked about this before. We like to see how, how players finish out a year, and, and, and in the case of uh, Rashad Penny, it was it was from a very strong stance. Yeah, it really was. And, uh, you know, I think the picture will get a little bit clearer when you really know what's going on with Chris Carson. But boy, I feel better about any of those running backs with Russell Wilson on the center. But now you're talking about Geno Smith or Drew Locke, and our defense is really going to be concerned with the passing game with either of those quarterbacks. It just puts more pressure on the running backs. Uh, DK Metcalf is in camp. Is he going to demand a trade? I mean, there are things to really concern yourself um, when it looks, you know, when when looking at this situation. I like Kenneth Walker, but there's a lot of things working against his success in the opening year um, with what what's going on with Seattle right now. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. Yeah, But it's always fun doing these kind of exercises, Wiz. Like I said, we did it last year for wide receiver groups. Maybe we'll even tackle wide receiver groups again. Um, it just, the nature of the game is changing in the NFL. We've talked about this m- many times, and, and teams are employing multiple running backs um, in, in so many instances. And, and, and these are four of the teams that we decided to take a crack at today. Yeah, and, you know, there there are only a handful of running backs we know are going to get the lion's share of the carries. All of them is some sort of running back by committee with two guys, and in most instances, three running backs or even more. So it makes it difficult, but uh, we try and, you know, help people wave through it uh, because, look, you're in a 12-team league, right? Most of the teams are going to have to attack these running back situations in their draft, and uh, it's difficult, but... Sometimes you get extremely, extremely lucky and you pay a, a minimum price and end up with a real jackpot player. This is true. This is true. All right, Wiz. Well, well done. Uh, enjoyed doing uh, this running back discussion. Uh, we, we got a lot more to come in this preseason. This is Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We're on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Make sure you're subscribing. Uh, we'll catch up again later in the week and uh, lots of fun topics to still cover before the season uh, gets underway, Wiz. Yeah, you got it. Looking forward to it. All right. Fantastic. Have a good night. You too.